Janelle Thomas is a psychology researcher and the co-author of Disappearing in the Age of Hypervisibility. This is Janelle Thomas. I'm Duncan Gammy. You're listening to Dunk Tank. Cool. Uh, I'm here with Janelle Thomas. Uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, so I had heard uh, about you and your work through a great study uh, that you were co-author of called uh, Disappearing in the Age of Hypervisibility. Great name for a paper. Um, and it's about ghosting. And uh, I've ghosted people before, and I've been ghosted, and it sucks. Um, so I think this is an interesting topic to, to sort of dive into. Um, but maybe just to sort of set the ground here, could, could we define uh, what ghosting is? Yeah, definitely um, a great place to start. So ghosting is a relationship dissolution strategy, which can happen in either platonic or romantic relationships. And it's characterized by a sudden or gradual decision to cut off all communication with someone. Um, and what's key here is that there is an expected response from the person um, that the communication is happening with. And when that ghosting happens, there's no clear explanation. So in the paper that I co-authored with uh, Royette Dubar, that is the definition that we, um, we arrived at based on the research that we conducted. And um, I, I feel like particularly like the term ghosting, the phenomenon I feel like has been around for a while, but I think the term, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, feels recent. And um, yeah. it seems, seems like something that maybe like young people are more like familiar with, but why did you think that this phenomenon was important enough to devote study to? Yeah, great question. So like you're saying, the concept, I guess, of like not calling someone or deciding to disappear is age old. Um, however, the term ghosting is very recent. The earliest that um, I've seen it used is in the early 2010s, so around like 2015, 2016. And I found it very um, key to research this because it's so prevalent and a lot of people are affected by it. Um, you see it a lot in TV shows, movies, it's dropped a lot. It's name dropped um, and people have questions about it. Like, why do people ghost? Why has this happened to me? What does it mean? And a lot of um, empirical research has not been done on the topic. And um, I thought it was important and I, you know, met with Royette, and together we kind of developed this study to get to the bottom of it, maybe. Yeah, so, and it is shocking how this feels pretty prevalent, and the amount of research, I was kind of just like doing some casual Googling before this, mm -hmm. not like, you, you, you all are, are kind of on the, on the vanguard here. Um, so, um, when you talk about this, this study, um, I'm curious about the methodology, because I imagine, uh, I'm not in the academic world, but I imagine there'd be like ethical concerns if you all just set up a bunch of like fake tinders and then ghosted people and tried to get interviews. Um, so how, how did you go about doing this? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So because it's such a new, new topic, um, a new thing that we're kind of stepping into, we just wanted information, right? So initially this publication came through my master's thesis at Wesleyan University. And the research that I was doing for my thesis was a mixed method study. So it included qualitative and quantitative parts. And the 
the meat, I guess, of um, the data came from focus groups. So we, you know, recruited participants through different means um, and had like hour long conversations with scripted questions that we pre-discussed, pre-determined. And through those questions, we coded the responses, found the prevalent um, amount of responses from the questions. I, I think um, w- w- what you're talking about when you're doing these these interviews, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm one of the findings uh, of your study that was really interesting to me um, and makes sense um, is that the people doing the ghosting were also negatively impacted by this. So even though people feel like, hey, I'm just, you know, not responding and, you know, clean break, uh, it's not really the case. Were, were you surprised by that? Um, I was a little, I was a little surprised um, just because I discovered that people who have been ghosted ghost themselves as the start of the podcast you mentioned that that is your experience as well um and just based on investigating you know the psychological consequences for those who have ghosted one of the findings is that the ghosters experience remorse and guilt um but I think it's important to note that those feelings are very temporary it's an initial feeling but once the ghosting happens the mm-hmm. ghosters tend to feel relief. They feel, okay, like this is now the best decision for me and it's out of sight, out of mind, um, which is which is definitely interesting. And what about like the settings in which people ghosted? Because the only times that I've ever done it before uh, was through like uh, someone who I'd never physically met. And there, it's, I think a lot easier to do that when this is just like a potential person on like a dating app or something like that, as opposed to being a flesh and blood human being who like, you know, like, you know, I would never just not respond to someone who I know and is in my life. It would feel psychotic. Um, Did did you all explore that uh, dimension of it? Yeah, we definitely explored that. And ghosting doesn't really... I want to say matter in those contexts, like participants express that they, if someone is a self-proclaimed ghoster, they will ghost anyone at, and if it's convenient for them. So we've had narratives where they've ghosted family members, um, they've ghosted friends, they've ghosted people they've dated. And the the reasons can definitely vary. We've had reasons that are for um, like safety reasons. If someone does not feel safe, they've tried to express this isn't working for me anymore and the person's, you know, not taking the hint or anything like that. And then they resort to ghosting or simply if someone feels they don't have the communication skills to end the relationship, they ghost or the relationship just doesn't serve them anymore and it's easier to ghost, it's more convenient. They, um, the participants mentioned that they choose ghosting. So we didn't find that it's um, kind of confined to an online space and having not met someone. But what you mentioned is interesting because the screen serves as a protective barrier. So once someone is in that online space, they seem less real. You're more removed from that person. Um, And it does seem like it would be easier to ghost someone in that fashion. When you said a proclaimed ghoster, is there like, 
so is there a distinction between people who may ghost someone in particular situations, like what you mentioned, like a safety scenario where it's like, uh, this person seems weird and, you know, I, I don't know any way to like exit out of this or as, as opposed to people who will just do this as like a way of life. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. We, in the research, didn't specifically distinguish between those two, but in the focus groups when participants were having the discussions, um, a little bit of that distinction did come up, which when we were trying to arrive at a concrete definition, we wondered like how to like, you know, best insert some of that nuance into the definition just because when you are deciding to end a relationship, regardless of the reason, whether it's safety or I'm just choosing this option instead of communication, right. um, you kind of have to just define it as ghosting. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that distinction there, but at the end of the day, like it, it is still ghosting, whether it's safety or I just choose to no longer, you know, directly end a relationship or a friendship or any sort of um, partnership. Totally. As you were interviewing these people, was there a part of your mind when someone was like a self-proclaimed ghoster where you're just like, oh, you piece of shit, how dare you? Like, did, did you feel any emotional reaction towards their, their stories? Were some people more callous about it than others? Um, well, as a researcher, I was very... Um, not reactive so just listening to um the narratives that were coming in and moderating the conversation so maybe participants were reacting to each other mm. because some um debates came through and like because of those debates that's why we have as much data that we do um because people were participants were disagreeing with each other some were absolutely against ghosting they thought it was morally reprehensible others you know live by ghosting that's what they're comfortable with um but as a researcher like I could not put my own biases um into the moderating that I was doing oh, okay so you you actually it wasn't just a one-on-one -on -one. you would have groups of people sharing their experiences like relatively simultaneously yeah, so ideally a focus group would have up to five participants, but a couple had two. Um, so it was between two and five and around um, like 30, 30 to 50 minutes around there. So a prolonged conversation. Wow. So were some people, were you worried at all about the potential for um, people to sort of uh, be closet ghosters where they, they didn't want to speak up in front of other people about what they were doing? Um, that was, I believe, like, and that's always a concern. I feel like with these kinds of research methodologies, but it, I found that it didn't really come through in the focus groups. Everyone did participate. Um, everyone was very respectful of each other in their spaces. Um, and because, the questions were very structured. And um, if someone wasn't, you know, like speaking up or offering an opinion as the moderator, I kind of brought them into the conversation and they shared whether, oh, like I heard, you know, someone I knew, if not a direct experience, mm -hmm. um, which did inform the research at the end of the day and was definitely helpful overall. And what about the people being ghosted? Like what were their, 
you mentioned that the people doing the ghosting had sort of like this short-term spurt of regret and then kind of just like relief. But the people being ghosted, did that tend to stick with them longer or how did they feel about it? Yeah, um, definitely um, interesting responses there. Um, one of the most prevalent responses we found was the psychological consequences for the ghosties. And the main one was they had internalized feelings of, you know, self-criticism, self-doubt, hopelessness regarding future relationships. And that is one of the experiences that was more long-term. Um, I think because it seemed to influence their outlook on future relationships of any kind. Um, so once a participant expressed they had been ghosted in the past, when they now approach future relationships, their outlook is different. They can have, you know, doubts about themselves. Like, what did I do in this past relationship that led me to be ghosted? Because when you're ghosted, you have no closure. Like, you don't know what went wrong. You don't know if it was you, did something happen? Those answers aren't there for you. So you kind of have to fill in the blanks for yourself. And the participants expressed that causing anguish down the line. Um, but what did come out of that as sort of silver lining is the opportunity for self-reflection and resilience. So after that period of like negative um, emotive responses, participants can now sort of change and reflect where 